Catherine Barrett's joining us, an Al Jazeera America correspondent and a national Emmy Award winning broadcast journalist based in Seattle, Washington. She's reporting live from Oregon. And uh, this is where the occupation of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge began 26 days ago. Catherine, uh, good afternoon. Thank you for joining us and taking the time. I know you're busy. Always great to have you and other folks from Al Jazeera America on uh, with us. They you're do, most welcome. They do a great job, and you uh, definitely uh, um, you deserve that Emmy. Uh, congrats to you with that. Uh, Catherine, first of all, I say as a, as a chick who's not a real gun gal, when you put a bunch of people with way too much time on their hands and guns in their hands in a setting like this, I, I think that just equals danger. I think it's a bad recipe and a recipe for a disaster. Um, so let's talk about what has happened, uh, you know, most recently of the 26 days in case folks ha- haven't kept up with this because of the uh, debates and other political things going on. Well, as you say, with uh, that many armed people, uh, it, it's remarkable that there hasn't been a disaster before now. Uh, but what went down late yesterday was that uh, the FBI and Oregon State Police finally took enforcement action, made a traffic stop of some of the major leaders of this occupant group on a road, arrested them, but in the process there was an exchange of gunfire. One of those leaders is now deceased. They made a total of uh, seven arrests here and another arrest in Arizona. Those um, Militants are being arraigned in a Portland, Oregon, federal courthouse, almost as we speak right now. Um, There are still a handful of armed militants inside the wildlife refuge, less than a dozen perhaps, but they are vowing to stay. Leslie? Okay. Uh, You know, what what I don't understand is a a federal agency, you know, like you said, they've sealed off the Oregon Wildlife Refuge that's been occupied by armed protesters. Uh, They did this today. This was hours after they arrested those members of that group. And uh, one was uh, one of the most prominent occupiers was killed, who, by the way, I've been told by my crew said he would rather, you know, go out dead than alive. Unfortunately, got his wish. Oh, he did not. No, no, I'm sorry. He, yes, he did. He say did that. say that, and and my understanding, my, my understanding is he that he wanted peace. So a little bit of a right. mixed message there, right? And he, uh, he has allegedly 11 foster children who who were relying on him. That was my understanding. That is my understanding. Wow, unbelievable, uh, Catherine. What, what do the federal authorities say regarding waiting this long and for it to get to this point for them to do this? Well, I think that their hand was somewhat forced. They thought perhaps they could wait it out, that the thing would fizzle. But both the town of Burns, Oregon, uh, and the state of Oregon basically said, enough is enough. Uh, The sheriff of Harney County said in a fairly emotional press conference this morning that these militants were in and out of the town, stirring up issues within the town, that it was tearing the town apart, and that in and of itself, uh, made it really imperative that the feds take action. But the feds, I think, perhaps were not going to take action without some of the pressure that they got from local and state authorities here. Catherine, we're going to take a break. We'll be back with Catherine Barrett, Al Jazeera America correspondent and National Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist. She's based in Seattle, but today she joins us live from Oregon. We'll be back with her right after this. 
And we're back on Leslie Marshall talking with Catherine Barrett. She is live in Oregon. She's an Al Jazeera America correspondent and an Emmy Award winning journalist. Uh, Catherine, thank you for holding and, and welcome back. You know, we have we have different people st- stating different things, uh, such as um, they should have been locked up on day one for seditious conspiracy. 18 USC 2384. The government needs to stop ki- uh, kissing seditious white butt. Um, and there are a lot of people that have expressed on this show, whether on Twitter, on Facebook, calling into the program that, you know, if this had been, you know, a group of Muslims, you know, this would have been a terrorist attack. You know, the whole state would have been in lockdown. Um, did these guys, in a sense, get a pass because, you know, you know, because people were afraid of, of the past of the days of David Koresh or Randy Weaver? Is that what was the, the federal government was fearful of, perhaps, or waiting it out for? Well, I think there were uh, people talked about not wanting another Ruby Ridge or another Waco, which reflected badly on the federal government and may or may not have fueled sort of some of this anti-federalist ire around the West. Um so there was also, frankly, some underlying sympathy for the root cause. This is a ranching community. It's a vast area of federal land and cattle ranchers, and some of them did have some sympathy with at least the initial um, ask, and it was two local ranchers who were going to jail that was the original reason for the protest here. Uh, the longer it dragged on, the more tangential the request got, uh, I think that patients wore thin and um, the locals and the state began to call for the feds to actually do something. Is it true that some, if not all, of these folks at one time or another uh, individually or one or two of them would leave their posts to get bagels and things like that within the town? Oh, absolutely. Yes, they were very much free to come and go, coming in and out of the town. Uh, again, that was what the local sheriff said was, one of the issues that kind of spurred them to to ask the feds to intervene, to take action, because uh, they were trying to foment unrest and uh, within the town and uh, causing divisions within a very small and otherwise tight-knit community. And there was also a sense in the community that they were outsiders. They, they for the most part, aren't from here. Um, and so while there was some initial sympathy, patients wore thin, uh, and has ended in, at the moment, at least one death, but still an ongoing standoff. I have to tell you, I was just out at one of these checkpoints. The FBI has very heavily militarized these checkpoints. We, the media, were kept far, far back, but we could see armored vehicles and uh, people coming in and out with uh, camouflage gear, helmets, scopes on. Um, Some colleagues who actually got up to the checkpoint said they were basically surrounded by drawn guns and asked to step out of the car. Uh, so it's still a very tense and fluid situation, Leslie. Because there are some that are still, um, even though they've um, asked them to leave, some have chosen to remain, correct? Some have chosen to remain. Uh, local media was reporting that uh, late last night after midnight, uh, women and children, all the children are reportedly out of the compound. There may be one woman remaining there. Uh, but no, there's this handful, and, you know, there's a sense that they're the last holdout, the last bastion. Uh, the gentleman who was shot, Lavoie Finnicum's family, released a statement saying uh, this fight against tyranny is not over, again, potentially fueling the resolve of those who think this is the place to 
stand. Uh, uh, okay. J- J- a guy named Jason tweeted that eyewitnesses described that um, you know some of these individuals were charging the police roadblock that this wasn't exactly hands up or a surrender. Uh, that last night people were charging the roadblock, or today? Uh, that's what he, he's saying that there, but he just tweeted this now, well, and I have not heard that. No, I haven't either. There's been a lot of uh, swirling reports of firsthand accounts of what happened, but law enforcement has been completely closed-lipped about exactly what happened in this traffic stop and how it was that two people, were sh- two of the militants were shot one fatally. Um, there is uh, an internal officer-involved shooting investigation underway. That's standard in cases like this, but it uh, obviously implies that uh, the officer perhaps shot first. Um, oh, these individuals. Anyway, law enforcement has not released really any details about this. You know, these individuals, as the feds have said, had ample opportunity to leave and to leave uh, peacefully. It did not have to get to this point, and and God knows what's going to happen going forward. Um, But what uh, is it illegal for one to enter a wildlife refuge, as they are in Harney County at the Malheur uh, National Wildlife Refuge, and not leave? I mean, obviously, there are First Amendment rights to a degree, but... I don't know about you, where I live here in Southern California, parks have opening and closing hours. And if I stay after, I'm, I'm trespassing, which is breaking the law. Well, that's right. Uh, and this was actually closed for the season. The other thing that the occupiers did was they went into the buildings on the refuge and they found keys to a whole lot of uh, wildlife, fish and wildlife vehicles, heavy equipment, and they were driving that around, moving that around the refuge. Interestingly, the federal charge, which is a felony, is not one of trespassing. It's, uh, and I quote, conspiracy to impede officers of the United States from discharging their official duties through use of force, intimidation, or threats. I guess the implication being that the federal managers of this wildlife refuge were basically away by force uh, of arms and threat. Uh, Robert Lavoie Finnicum shot and killed while charging police, um, according to the driver. That's what the news um, uh, had out. Um, is, uh, is that what you have there? I mean, you're there at the scene. Uh, again, I only heard the law enforcement press conference, and they released absolutely no details of exactly what happened at that traffic stop. Mm-hmm. Everybody else who was at that traffic stop, uh, I believe, is under arrest and in court in Portland at this hour. Uh, There may be further information in charging documents. And again, there's an ongoing inquiry into the officer-involved shooting. That will probably take a while to become public. Uh, The arrests were described, um, authorities say, as, quote, taking the first steps to bring this occupation to a, a conclusion and that they're still working to, quote, empty the refuge of those who continue to illegally occupy are the charges um you know illegal occupation um are the do we know what the charges are specifically that have been brought against these people uh yes again it's a federal felony charge of conspiracy to impede officers of the united states uh which what what does uh, what, what 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 type of uh punishment can that charge hold for an individual you know i have to say i am not 
familiar with the code enough myself. No, uh, wor- no worries. That could bring. I, I but, like, but a federal Catherine, felony, I like honesty rather than BS, so thank you. <laughs> but fe- no, but a federal felony certainly is a serious matter. Correct. Uh, but they, when they went in, they knew that they were breaking federal law. They would say that they are answering to a higher authority, and they consider the federal government's law uh, unjust and invalid in this area. Uh, Governor Kate Brown, who is a Democrat, uh, wrote a letter urging feds, the federal officials, to bring a, quote, swift resolution to the situation. There are a lot of criticisms, not just around her office and not just in Oregon, um, that this is just stretched on too long, far too long. And um, uh, there are people also that have questions. Would, would the occupiers have been treated with this level of patience if they were not white, if they were black? Or if they weren't reading from the Book of Mormon, but if they were reading from the Quran, um, and and I think the, I think these are valid questions and, and criticisms that the general public has. Yeah, I guess it's I guess it's a little bit hard to know uh, how the situation would have been different. Uh, it was again members largely of the same Western ranching community that surrounds this area, uh, and of which local law enforcement is a part and a community member, whether that played into it. Uh, Others have questioned why law enforcement basically stood down completely in Nevada when the Bundys uh, released their cattle onto lands that were not supposed to be grazed. That was seen as sort of the first step in the federal government's uh, rolling over to these folks, if you will. Uh, one of our callers, Michael in the Bronx on line two, kind of wanted to echo the sentiments, I think, of what I just said. But Michael is an African-American male. I say that because he shared that on the program before. I don't know that just from looking at a computer screen. Um, uh, Michael, we don't ask the, the uh, race, religion, et cetera, of our callers. It's Michael is a regular listener and caller of the show. And I say that, Catherine, so you understand. Michael, a quickly question or comment for our guest regarding this issue in Oregon. Yes. Uh, hello, ladies. I, you know, I really find this to be totally racially discriminative and because that what well, you ladies just um, hit the nails on the head that this, these are actual criminal acts that have been going on and it took 26 states to get to get it put to a stop these guys were clearly armed they issued violent threats they engage in violence they engage in terrorism but not a doggone thing was done what because they were white but then yet, time and time again, we've seen peaceful protests against police brutality um, by, like, Black Lives Matter and other um, people of color and minorities. And then how the hell is it that police, local or even state for that matter, are so quick to put on riot gear and want to charge towards unarmed, peaceful protesters and such a swift thing, we could even be quoting the Constitution, and they still want to beat us down off. You know, shoot us up just to shut us up. All right, I mean, Michael, let, they... me, let, me ask, let me ask Catherine. Catherine, have people uh, talked about the difference between this and what we've seen happen in places like Ferguson or Baltimore uh, with some people feel definitely overreactive response at first in Ferguson and riot-like gear? Somebody said, uh, you know, I, I think I said it was a tank at first, and somebody is like, it's not a tank, it's a riot vehicle, and it's like, it looks like a tank to me. Uh, as to the, the fact that, you know, perhaps up until the past 24 hours, or even till today, there's been virtually no police um, a presence, no authorities, uh, no legal authorities and legal enforcement authorities present um, in and around this refuge, correct? Well, uh, I have to say that they have been 
present, um, but not uh, in obvious evidence. But your caller is absolutely right. It's certainly a very stark contrast to what uh, would happen at the drop of a hat with anybody with a gun, uh, perhaps in an urban center in the middle of the country or on the eastern seaboard. Um, and if there are going to be some hard questions, obviously, asked about that. Uh, but for the past month, the sheriff did point out that he has been trying to seek a peaceful resolution to this since November when these folks marched into his office and delivered what he described as ultimatums. Uh, there have been sheriffs from all over the state of Oregon and the FBI involved in this in a consulting way and actually in the town of Burns, Oregon, uh, since the beginning, since uh, this started in December and January. But they made some kind of tactical decision not to stick their necks out, not to go directly after a confrontation with these people. What has the response been um, and right now uh, by the community? Do they feel that this will come uh, to a head? Are they concerned because uh, now it's you know become more violent, or are they glad police are finally doing something? And FBI. I think it's a it's a mix really of those things. I think they had absolutely hoped for this group. I mean, in large part, hoped for this group to go away. Hoped for them to go away peacefully. Nobody wants to see. Uh, blood on their streets or the loss of life. Uh, and it is still very tense. You can see just in the streets of this little town, there's uh, tribal police cars, there are sheriff's vehicles. We've seen uh, vehicles carrying combat-geared, camouflaged, uh, what look more like National Guardsmen than uh, police or FBI. Uh, so there is still a, a large degree of tension and still an open question about what the remaining people up at the wildlife refuge are actually going to do and how it will be resolved. I know that law enforcement officials defended the uh, lag of time and the response, you know, taking, you know, 25 uh, plus days. Um, And, you know, we talked about FBI not wanting a repeat of the bloody sieges like in Waco, you know, Texas and Ruby Ridge and Idaho. Um, But they said they didn't have to act more hastily because the occupation involved abandoned buildings. It was an isolated area. There were no hostages and no one was being directly threatened. But my fear for that community was that could eventually be the case because nobody was paying attention to them. And that's what they went there for attention. Um, at first, cameras, you know, cameras showed up and journalists showed up. And look, until this, you know, crickets. Yes. Uh, I mean, I think the community was on edge uh, throughout it all. Um, there were people who were supporting them, bringing them supplies uh, and taking flack from their friends and neighbors about that and taking flack. The other way, it was a very divisive issue, uh, and again, they had schools closed uh, for precautions because they didn't know whether these people weren't going to come marching down the streets shooting. That hasn't happened. Um, you know, these people blend in perfectly well, again, to this ranching community, so they come and go at the grocery store. Um, but there has been tension, and, uh, and that continues. 
And I would imagine, I mean, the person walks into the store, they might feel, uh, you know, upset. And not speaking of upset, just by the cost, this is costing approximately $100,000 a week or more. Catherine, thank you for joining us. Catherine Barrett, Al Jazeera America correspondent, National Emmy Award-winning broadcast journalist based in Seattle. She was joining us live in Oregon where the occupation of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge began 26 days ago. Federal authorities now have stepped in. On Twitter, follow uh, the Al Jazeera America at AJAM and the website for Al Jazeera America is america.aljazeera.com. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax limited time offer prices may vary for delivery.